morning, church. Good to see everybody, and I'm glad that you are here today. I'm glad we have some that I know are away, and uh, I guess I guess we had such great worship last week, AJ, with you and Daniel. I'm sorry I missed that, and uh, it, I guess it happened because I wasn't here, but I'm, I'm really glad that it, it happened, so it's good. I love Daniel. It's good to have him back. And uh, I know you love him as well. AJ did a great job preaching. I heard his message yesterday. It's very, it was a great message. And uh, I'm thankful for him. Uh, I want to uh, congratulate Randy and Sharon Wood, uh, Ashley and Jared had a little baby Friday. So they are new grandparents. And so we congratulate them, have a little boy. And he looks very beautiful, very handsome. So uh, it's good. Congratulations to you. It's grandchildren and a lot of fun. Today we're going to look at John chapter 10. We're going to only go in uh, eight, at 10 verses. Uh, it's just too big. We just can't do it. And uh, that's okay because this is one of my favorite passages in the book of John. Uh, I don't know how much you uh, read the book of John or how much it interests you, but I think this account by Jesus as a shepherd should touch all of our hearts. We, we should be moved by this. The Bible often portrays God as a shepherd. And there are many examples in the nation of Israel where God is a shepherd of the nation of Israel. He also refers to leaders in the nation of Israel as shepherds. He refers to prophets as shepherds. He refers in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter refers to pastors as shepherds. But God is the shepherd of Israel. When Jesus identified himself as a shepherd, he's saying he's God. Uh, interestingly, the Bible often portrays us as sheep. Um, that sounds nice, but it's not particularly a compliment. Sheep are, in farm animal language, the most helpless. They're the most defenseless uh, animals of the of the farm of the domesticated farm animals. They stray. Uh, they're dirty. They don't clean themselves. And if they're not properly cared for, they'll, do, they'll die from diseases. They require constant oversight. They require constant leading. And indeed, they require constant rescue. Or they will die. Left to their own, they are defenseless and will be devoured by predators. Yet they don't know it. They wander off. They seek their own way and they go in places that they don't even know the dangers that they face. And they don't know how to arrive safely because they don't have a very good sense of direction. They're very stubborn. They're not very smart. They will follow other sheep to destruction. So I guess they are good comparisons with us. Being a good shepherd in the Bible was good training to be God's people. It seemed to work to prepare Moses, Isaac, Jacob, and David. All were shepherds before they were leaders. When you think of shepherds in the Bible, what is the first passage that comes to mind? Psalm 23, right? The shepherd's psalm. We all think of that. Uh, Dr. Harry Ironside says that Psalm 23 is the most loved and the least believed passage in the whole Bible. 
Because he says, when we read the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We love to say it, but do we practice that? When we're in times of want, do we recognize that God is indeed our shepherd who will lead us to safe pasture? No, we are like the sheep. We often panic and don't remember what God has done. That's the shepherd's psalm. Today, we're going to read the shepherd's parable. Let me read this passage to you and we'll talk about it briefly. Jesus says in chapter 10 of John, the 36th of our messages in John, in verse 1, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Father, thank you for your word. Speak clearly to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to give you uh, four points about this passage that I think are relevant for us today. If you look at the first two verses, uh, I want you to, I want to say first that the real shepherd only enters through the gate. Now, let me explain where we're going with this and what we're talking about. In verses one and two, uh, we're not talking about the sheep pen as being heaven, as a lot of people believe. But Jesus is saying that, that anyone Any shepherd who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Now this passage is connected to the passage right above you that that, uh, AJ talked to you last week about. That he shared with us the story of the blind man and how he went to the temple and was talking to the Pharisees. And they were questioning him about how he had been healed of his blindness. And when he told them about Jesus, they didn't believe it, and they threw him out of the temple. And so then Jesus goes and tells us what a real shepherd is, what a real teacher of Israel is, what a real leader of the flock looks like. And he says, first off, that if you don't enter by the gate, but you climb in some other way, you're a thief and a robber. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you guys are all thieves and robbers. Because you didn't enter in the right way. You didn't enter in and believe in the one that he sent. And he's going to make the point that he indeed did enter the right way. That's exactly what Jesus did. So we got to, we got to see that. Then he says to us, um, in verse two, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, let me explain to you how this works. Every village in Palestine by this time would have a communal sheep pen. 
And so the shepherds, it would probably be large, be a huge pen. The shepherds would, at the end of the day, bring all of their sheep back into the pen. And they would take them in through the door, through the gate, and that's where they would rest at night. They would hire an under-shepherd, I guess is a, a, a shepherd in training, if you would, to guard the gate at night. And that shepherd would not allow anybody into the pen unless it was a real shepherd. He wouldn't let anybody in unless he knew who they were. He wasn't going to give any stranger access to his sheep because it was so important. Jesus is saying, I can go into that pen because I've come the right way. And you say, well, how does he say that? Because the Bible told us about Jesus. Jesus is saying that he's been prophesied by the Old Testament. That that he that the prophets told about him. That the scriptures told about him. That everybody's been waiting for him. He came exactly the way the Bible and the word of God and all the prophets and all the history of Israel had been waiting for Jesus. And he came right into the gate just like he said he would. And the people rejected him. The leaders of Israel most importantly, rejected him. And he's saying about all those leaders, since they didn't follow the scriptures, didn't listen to what God had said, they're thieves and robbers because they've entered in through another way. They've made their own way. They've created the Bible to say whatever they wanted to say. They're false teachers. They don't understand what God has done. So Jesus is saying that not all the shepherds of Israel are good shepherds. Uh, Some of them were incompetent. They were unfit. They were unqualified. They're not all good for the sheep. Jesus says you got to watch. You got to watch your shepherds. You got to pay careful attention to who you let shepherd the flock. And he said, I've entered the gate the right way. But all these other shepherds, many of them have entered the wrong way. Throughout the nation of Israel, they had a problem with false shepherds. You can go all the way back to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23. It says, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says about the shepherds who tend my people. You've scattered my flock, banished them and not attended to them. I am about to attend to you because of your evil acts. So God is saying, listen, Jeremiah is saying on behalf of God, you've got to be careful about these shepherds. Many of the leaders of Israel have led the nation astray. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Jesus said, be on your guard against the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravaging wolves. Jesus said, there are all kinds of false teachers out there. you got to be careful. Church, we have to be careful. We have to be mindful. We have to be alert. They're false teachers. They're in the church. They're outside the church. Paul said to the Ephesians, one of the last things he said to the Ephesian church, he said, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number, distort the truth, and lure disciples into following them. You have to be careful about false teachers. Jesus said the real shepherd enters right through the word of God. It's precisely what God said, as he had done. Now, let me tell you that we have false teachers today. You know that. You're, you're aware of that. I jotted down some things that we see with false teachers. Sometimes false teachers use the flock for their own interests and desires. Some claim that the Bible gives them powers that it doesn't give other people. 
Some of them teach our youth in college that there's no God. You know, we can go to college today and learn that there's no God. We can pay a lot of money to go and learn that. you got to be careful. There are people that will undermine your faith. That will say that the things that you've grown up and learned, they're not true. Uh, there's false teachers and Unfortunately, some of them, even in the fringes of the church, will say that faith isn't a necessary part of our relationship with God. And and that we don't need faith to guide our lives. There are people that deny any basis for morality. They say that your morality and my morality is based on how we feel. Whether we like something or not. We have situational morality. That our morality might change today. I might think this is wrong and tomorrow I might think it's right. It's Okay, it's kind of whatever I need to do. We have a lot of people that ascribe to situational morality. I heard years ago, and I think this is really true, uh, that uh, the new morality would be defined as the old immorality. That's probably true. There are people that will tell you there's no right and wrong. That it's all open to what we think. That AJ might consider one thing right, and I might consider something else right. And they're both right. They're all, all okay. And, and and then there are people that just plain misuse the Bible. That they say that the Bible says things that it clearly does not. And they preach a false gospel. We have to be aware of people inside and outside the church. Just like what Jesus said. That are false teachers. False shepherds. Bad shepherds. That will lead the flock astray. Now I'm not going to read this passage to you. If you're taking notes you might want to write it down and go and read it to you. Go and study it. But First John chapter 4, 1 through 5 or 6 will tell you three truths about how to, how to find out if people are false teachers or not. First, he said, you got to test every person. you got to test me. you got to test whoever teaches you, whoever leads you, whoever stands in front of you. you got to test them. Do they confess? First, John says, do they confess what is true about Christ? Do they acknowledge Christ as the Son of God and say what the Bible says about him? That's test number one. Do they have evidence of Christ in their life? Do you see the fruits of the Spirit of God working in their lives? If God's working in that shepherd's life, you're going to see evidence of that. You're going to see work of that. You're going to see progress in that. Do they declare that the Bible, thirdly, is the only source of truth? You know, I don't, I don't think I'm a very complex preacher. I hope not. Because I don't think that the message of the Bible is beyond most of us to understand. This is the only source of truth that we have. If we get it anywhere else, we're in trouble. Jesus said, we got to be careful. we got to be careful. The one who enters by the gate, enters the right way, is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay, number two. The sheep follow the real shepherd because they know his voice. They know his voice. And then it says in the back part of verse 2, the, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The, the gatekeeper opens it for him and the shepherds and the sheep hear his voice. So what happens in the morning is that the real shepherd comes to the gate. The, gate rec- the gatekeeper recognizes the real shepherd. He opens the door and the sheep go outside and the shepherd says something and the sheep all run to him. They know his voice. They identify with the shepherd. They know exactly who he is. Jesus said, the real sheep in the nation of Israel know the real shepherd. They know exactly who he is. You know, uh, it says in verse, in the back part, 
uh, and the shep and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he calls them by name. It's very personal, isn't it? I, uh, one of the one of the scholars said that that even today in the Middle East, it's still common for those Eastern shepherds to give sh- names for their sheep. They call them things like long ears, white nose, fluffy, dirty. They'll call them names. Isn't it great that shepherd? I mean, in a whole gathering of sheep, he knows names. He he can spot individuals. He can look at that one little guy over there and say, "You got to watch out for him because he'll run off first chance he gets." Got to keep an eye on him. Oh, you got to watch out for this one because he'll, when it rains, he lays on his back. And if we're not careful, he'll drown. That's true about sheep, by the way. There's some that'll just lay on their back in a rainstorm and drown. And the shepherd's got to turn them right side up. That's a funny little story when you think about sheep. But when you think about our Lord, isn't it wonderful that he knows you by name? That he can call you out. He knows who you are. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows where you're weak. He knows, he knows where you're hurting. He knows you. That's what Jesus said. Go, go and read that. It's not my word. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his own sheep. He knows. If you're, if you're a sheep of the great shepherd, Christ knows you. He's, he's got his name written, got your name written on his heart. And when he leads you out, he will never lead you to be destroyed. He'll never lead you to eternal harm. He'll never lead you to a place that he doesn't know you need to be. Never. It's not his nature. That's who he is. He's, he's a good shepherd. We're not even, haven't even gotten to the good shepherd yet. <laughs> but he is. The sheep know his voice. Uh, Philip Keller, who writes a book that you all ought to read, The Shepherd's Psalm. You ought to read that book. It's really one of the best books I've ever read. Philip Keller says the relationship rapidly develops between a shepherd and a sheep under his care. And it depends on the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to the shepherd's voice. They know his tone. They know his sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from anybody else. If a stranger spoke to him, they wouldn't know his voice. If they used the same words and the same phrases... A sheep would know the difference. You see, the, the thing in the, in the sheep pen is that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And you and I, well, we need to know the shepherd's voice. We need to be able to hear when the shepherd speaks to us. That we know that when he's calling us. And in fact, in verse 4, it says the sheep will follow him because they know his voice. When he goes out in front, the shepherd speaks and all the sheep are running after him. You gotta know, you gotta know how the shepherd speaks. How does the shepherd speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. You know, all of us in this room ought to be students of this book. This is God's word that he has given to us. We ought to be diligent students of this book. We ought to, we ought to be reading this book, not just for knowledge. Knowledge is okay, but we ought to be reading it and applying it to our life. We ought to be reading it and praying over it. We ought to be reading it and asking God to reveal truth to us in this book. This is how the shepherd speaks to you and I. You gotta be careful if you wake up at night and you got something on your mind. That might be God speaking to you, but it might be what you ate for supper too. You gotta be careful that what you think about what the shepherd says is grounded in his word. Maybe you've been studying the Bible and you wake up at night and I've done this and you wake up at night and you're thinking something that you were studying last night. I think that's the way God teaches us. 
He'll wake up, he'll wake you up and he'll put a verse of scripture on your heart. Maybe, maybe when you read that piece of scripture in the morning or during your devotion sometime during the day, you'll hear that strong voice inside of you say, this one's for you. Pay attention to that. You know what you were worried about like last week? Right here it is. You gotta hear the shepherd. He speaks to us. He's our God. When we follow him, we don't walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. The the Pharisees, they said that the way you follow God is to follow all the rules. Now there are things that when we get to know Christ that we, that we obey because Jesus calls us to obedience, but When we follow Christ as the good shepherd and we're the sheep, we're doing that as a personal relationship. It's a relationship with God. That's how we grow. That's how we follow him. That's how we know his voice. And verse 5 gives us another insight. It says, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. You, you know, and Jesus is going to talk about it over, over in uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 27. He's going to say, uh, my sheep follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. You know, that's, that's what you have when, when you have that kind of relationship with the shepherd and you, and he speaks and you listen and he, he leads and you follow. Is you have an assurance that you'll never be lost, that you'll never, that you'll never lose your salvation, you'll never lose your relationship. And that's what Jesus, when he finishes this chapter, that's why I didn't want to rush through this chapter, AJ, because I want to spend some time there and I want you to grasp the assurance that the Bible gives, that Jesus gives us, that once you're his, you'll never ever be lost. Never. In fact, he will say, there's nothing that can snatch you away. I think that's a great thing. I mean, I sleep better at night knowing that because I know that if I go to bed tonight and and I wake up in eternity, I know that I'm safe in him. I know that I have that assurance. I have that promise from him. Now you say, well, Jim, I've known this person that grew up in the church and they fell away. First, John says, well, the people that fall away, they didn't know the master's voice. They. They just wandered off. They didn't know him now. Did, was their experience not genuine? Apparently there was something, they, they didn't, they didn't surrender their life. They didn't give their heart. They didn't, they didn't follow what Christ called them to do. There are people that when they wander away, Billy Graham had a, an associate that he grew up with that mentored him and preached to great crowds in the Campus Crusade for Youth movement and, and he fell away. In his latter years, he, he denied that God even existed. Can you imagine that? Speaking, preaching to stadium full of people. And he went to Billy Graham later as Billy Graham was kind of getting up in his 30s and beginning to, to have some fame and have some prosperity in his preaching ministry and also having some challenges. And he said to him, Billy, do you really believe what God told you? And, and Billy Graham said he went away and he, he went off with God and he prayed and he studied and he searched and he came back to him and he said, I absolutely do. And this man said, well, I've lost it. He died denying that Christ was even a force in his life. He didn't know the voice of the master. It's very, very important. I like verse six. 
Now, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to all these teachers that just threw the blind man out. Listen to what he said. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, and that is this whole idea about the shepherd and the sheep and the understanding. But they didn't understand what he was telling him. See, their proof and point. See, they don't hear the master's voice, right? The people that don't know the master, that don't know the shepherd, they don't hear the shepherd's voice. They, they don't know him from anybody else. When Jesus spoke, those, those people, there's people today that hear the gospel and it no more moves them because they don't know the shepherd. They don't know him. And you might hear the gospel and might not be perfectly presented, might not be three points and in conclusion, it might, but, but you'll hear it and you say, you know, that's, that's my shepherd right there. That's him. I know him. I know, I know there's something in there that I recognize. You know, I've been to churches all, I guess, all over the world in a lot of places. And, and when I can understand English and in that church, I can hear the gospel message as far as it, away as it is. And you know, I, I've said one time I went to a Catholic mass in Berlin and I didn't speak German and they did the mass in German and the priest didn't speak English. But you know, I felt the love of Christ through that man. And, and when I spoke to him at the end of the service, he, he looked me in the eye and put his arms around me and, and I don't know what he said, but I felt God's love from what he conveyed. You see, once we're his sheep, we can hear his voice. It's very, very important. Number three, and this is really important. The real shepherd provides the only way to the fold. Truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to him. Now, now we've changing our, we're changing our analogy just a little bit. Jesus is saying now that he is the gate to the sheep. Uh, we got, we have the big pen for all the sheep to go in. We, we have a gate right here. It may be a physical gate or the gate might be the shep, the shepherd himself. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Nobody gets into the fold, and that is into heaven, into God's kingdom. Nobody gets there unless they go by way of the gate. They have to do that. He says, I am the gate. There's no other gate. There's no other way. But listen to what happens in verse 9. Verse 7, all all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but sheep didn't know him. But I am the gate, in verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will come in and go out and find pasture. So there's two things that happen to us when we enter by the gate. When we come to Christ the way he calls us to, by faith and repentance and confession of our sin, we enter into the into the pen. We, we're one of the sheep. We go in by the gate. And the first thing he says is that we're saved. For a little sheep, that meant they were safe. They would not be harmed. They would not have predators come in there at night because they went into the pen by the gate. The shep, the gate wasn't going to let anybody else in. They were safe in there. But I like this part. He said they go out. So the next morning, the sheep aren't going to stay in the fold all day. They're going to go out and they're going to find pasture. You know, there's nothing that a sheep likes better than to find pasture. I mean, I don't know what excites you. Maybe going to the mountains or going to the beach or maybe a family cookout. I mean, all those things are fun. But to a sheep, I mean, the best life is to look up and there's a wide open green pasture with tall grass. That's as good as it gets. 
So when you say that in Christ, I'll be safe and secure. And then that in Christ, I'll go out and find pasture. Then you have met all the needs that a sheep has. There's nothing else to do. You're you're completely content. Uh, First is salvation. Second is to find pasture. It's a perfect picture of security and nurture. I found this in Keller's book. He said this. He said that when the shepherd opens the gate and leads the sheep to a new pasture, they're filled with excitement. Even the state old ewes, I'm not sure... I'm not going to even go there, but the state old ewes kick their feet in joy at the prospect of finding fresh feed. You know what? What's a great thing about being in Christ is you might, you might get a little, you might get a little stale every now and then. You might get a little wore out. You might get a little burned out. Some of you felt like that. But in Christ, when, when he takes you to a new pasture, why wow, we get all excited again. We get a whole new freshness about it. A whole new start. Brand new beginning. And for that little sheep who's not real smart to start with. He doesn't have a great vision of the world. He says, the whole world's different now. I've got a new place to eat. New grass. It's soft and safe. That's what he does. And the shepherd keeps us safe. He takes us out to pasture. G. Campbell Morgan was a great preacher. Around the turn of the century, and he was traveling on a steamship when it used to be the way you traveled across the ocean. Didn't get on an airplane, traveled on a steamship. Took five or six days to cross the ocean. And he was a, one of the great preachers of the day, and he was traveling with an Old Testament scholar, uh, George Adam Smith. And this fellow wasn't necessarily a Christian, but he was an Old Testament scholar. He had learned the Old Testament, and he said they used to tell these stories all the time when they traveled. And he said, Sir George told Morgan, this story. He said, one day traveling with a guide, Sir George came across a shepherd with his sheep. The man showed him into the fold in which the sheep were led at night. It had four walls and a way in. Sir George says, this is where they go at night. Yes, said the shepherd. And when they're in there, they are perfectly safe. But there is no door, Sir George, said G. Campbell Morgan. He said, I am the door. You see, the shepherd said he was not a Christian, not speaking the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from an arid shepherd's standpoint. And Sir George looked at him and said, what do you mean by the door? And the shepherd said, when the light is gone and the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space. And no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf ever comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. How about that, church? That's who Jesus is. That's the protection we have in Christ. He's our gate. None of us, not one of us will ever be harmed. We will ever have eternal harm when the shepherd looks after us. Finally, Jesus tells us the real shepherd brings abundant life. Verse 10, we often read this separately. I would say out of context. It's a great passage. A great verse. A thief comes only to steal and destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. Jesus' purpose for coming into the world was to give us eternal life, safety in the fold. We have that. But, but you know, he doesn't just promise that as a benefit of being with a good shepherd. He says that we will have abundant life. Have life and have it abundantly. Christ wants you to have an abundant life here. 
That's his desire. He, that's his promise. He didn't come to do miracles, didn't come to just to teach, didn't come just to, to draw crowds. He came so that those that follow him would be safe and secure and would have life and have it abundantly. That's all you want. That's overflowing life. That's contentment. L- let me tell you, you will never have contentment without Christ in your life. You will never have it. There are people that have everything. They have all the possessions they can have. They have everything that money can buy and they're miserable. There are people that have nothing and they have Christ and they have contentment. They have abundant life. The most important thing that we can do is to seek him in abundant life. We were created for that purpose. That's why we're here. To have abundant life. You know, I, I, I hope, I hope you all, more than anything, if you grasp how much the personal nature of this, that Jesus is our shepherd, we're his sheep, and his promise to us is abundant life if we follow him. That's a great promise. Let me say a couple things in conclusion. I, uh, I don't know if you've been around, but if you ever heard me talk, you have heard me, if you've ever heard me much, I, I will always go back to Luke chapter 16. And um, in, in, that, in that great passage of scripture, Jesus teaches us um, the value, the value of being in the shepherd's fold. He says that when he was a good, he's a good shepherd, and if he had a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost. He said he'll leave all the other sheep to go out and find the one. And when he finds the one sheep, now you can imagine, there's the little sheep that didn't know his way, that didn't pay any attention, that when all the rest of them were going in this direction, he went in that direction. And the good shepherd loves those sheep so much that he leaves the flock to go after Leaves the 99 to go after the one. Jesus said that in the passage. He left the 99 to go after the one. And when he finds it, he places, he doesn't kick the thing, get a stick and beat, get back over here. He picks it up and puts it on his shoulders, holds his legs over his back, little legs hanging down the front, and he rejoices. He said, the sheep that I have has been found. That's how much he loves us. That's the value he has. This passage teaches us several things. He is the gate. He is our gate. He guards us when we are inside. He makes sure that we will never have eternal harm. In order to go into his fold, that's heaven, you have to go through him. No other way into heaven. No other way into eternal life except through him. There's no other door except through him. As our door, he is our protector our Savior, and our provider. That's what he gives us, to be one of his sheep. When you come in the door, you're not only saved from your sins, but you're safe. You are secure. No harm can come to you. You have security that no one can take away. When you go out through him, you go out to pasture. He is your provider and will only lead you to a safe place of green pasture.
He will bring you contentment. You have no other way. And when you go out with him, he'll always lead you and be in front of you. Church, I don't know what else to say to you. If you don't know Christ as your shepherd, why don't you do that today? Why don't you give your life to him? And say, Lord, I need that kind of leadership in my life. I need that kind of guidance. I need to be loved and nurtured that way. What a powerful lesson it is for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Let it pour over our hearts as imperfect as the messenger. Lord, let this be a lesson for us. Not in knowledge, but in our heart. To teach us and to change us and to draw us closer to you. Or lead anyone who is on the verge of decision to this place today. Lord, we thank you for what you offer us and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.